following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. For today, we are going to reflect on a psalm together. Psalm 67. So if you've got a Bible, open up. I'm hoping that in some way, this might be a good psalm to reflect on as we think about Waitangi Week. Waitangi, week coming, uh, Waitangi Day coming up on Tuesday and, and this week and what it represents in the life of our nation. So some thoughts coming out of this psalm that I think will be pertinent for us in the lead up to Waitangi Day. Uh, Sean Howan is going to come and read this psalm for us, I think. Is that right, Sean? Good to go. Oh, well, she's got a big supporter there and that was her husband. Yes. All right. Come on up, Sean. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Thanks, Sean. All right, when I thought about the psalm, uh, it, it makes me think a little bit of the first line of the national anthem, God of nations. Um, it's, it's this kind of ironic thing, I think, with our national anthem, that here we are in one of the most secular countries in the world, um, like just obviously, demonstrably, statistically, one of the most secular nations in the world, uh, and yet we have one of the most Christian national anthems, which I'm sure irritates the heck out of some people. But it's like this, this cultural weird phenomenon, this kind of disconnect, but is actually, as, as a Christian, interesting and fascinating that we have this national anthem, which is a hymn of praise to God. That's what it is. Um, and just fair warning this morning, we are going to sing the national anthem. And we're, going to, and, we're, and we're going to sing the verses that you never sing. Because as it goes on, there's five verses of the National Anthem. As it goes on, it gets more Christian and more overt in its reference to God and faith and, and, and so on. Um, and we're not going to sing this in some kind of nationalistic kind of way. I'm going to talk about that later. We're going to sing it in the right spirit. But we are going to sing the National Anthem. And so the very first line of our National Anthem declares that God is the God of nations. He's the God not just of New Zealand of course, but of all nations. And that is the kind of spirit that we find in the psalm. This is what Psalm 67 is about, really. Um, that's why I called this message God of Nations. That's, you could have called this psalm God of Nations. That's what it's about, God's sovereignty and his supremacy and his rule over the nations and the way in which God has a plan for the nations. It's not just that he's in charge, but he has a plan. Like God's doing something among the nations. He is at work. He was at work here. He's at work today among the nations. And that is the trail that we're going to follow as we look at Psalm 67. You ready? Okay. Here's the first couple of verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It, oh, good, because these are words that we use at shore when we dedicate babies. And they come from the book of Numbers and um, this is a blessing. It's a, it's a priestly blessing that was spoken over Israel. Uh, and it declares that God is a God who likes to bless. He, he blesses his people. And so we take those words and when we dedicate children, we pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And 
So I have you know, connotations of babies screaming and crying when I think about those words, but it's all good stuff, right? And so that's, for Israel, this was a blessing that declared they were God's people. That they were, in the Old Testament, uniquely blessed by God. From all the nations of the earth, God called this people, this peculiar people. Could have called any nation, could have called any people, but he chose them, he chose them, and he called them, and he entered into this covenant with them, and he bound himself to this particular nation, and he gave them the law, and he gave them the prophets, and he gave them all these promises. And so Israel had this very special place uh, within the Old Testament story before God as the carriers of these promises, the carriers of the covenant. And so this is a prayer of blessing upon Israel, but then look at where the blessing goes in verse 2. Those first two words are really important. So that, so that, in other words, Israel is blessed, but why? So that, what's the so that? So that your ways, God, may be known on earth, your salvation among, what's the word say? The, very good. The nations, all nations. Yeah, so here's, here's something we see about how God works. Israel is blessed, but they are blessed to be a blessing, right? They're not blessed to hoard the blessing, they're not blessed just to keep the blessing for themselves. This is always the way God has worked. Israel's got this blessing, but it is so that all nations may be blessed, so that the blessing may flow out through Israel to every tribe, every tongue, every people group in the world. This is how God works. It's how he's worked from the beginning when he called the father of Israel, Abraham. Right when he called Abraham and he showed up to Abraham, and what did he say? Abraham, I'm going to bless you, so there's blessing, so that all peoples of the earth may be blessed through you. It's the same principle, right back there in Genesis 12. You'll be blessed, Abraham. Your family's going to be blessed. You and Sarah are going to be blessed, but it doesn't stop with you. You are blessed, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God's intention from the very beginning was that through Abraham and through Israel, his salvation would extend to the ends of the earth. Sometimes we think that this kind of plan only really, really gets going in the New Testament, like God kind of just starts reaching the nations in the New Testament, but the seeds of that are back here in the Old Testament. God's desire to reach the nations is back here. It talks about salvation for the nations all the way back here. And we've got to see that this is part of the story of God's mission in the world that eventually finds its fulfillment in the New Testament, but it doesn't start there. It starts back here. There's a guy, uh, Christopher Wright, who wrote a great book called The Mission of God. If you want to read a, a book on mission, I'd recommend that one. Um, there's, a, there's a little version of it called The Mission of God's People, I think. And in that, he, he, he does this catchy little thing where he plays around with John 3.16. So most of you know that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so Christopher Wright paraphrases that verse and says, for God so loved the world that he called Abraham and chose Israel. Now I love that phrase, you know, because he, he kind of messes with your mind. It's not just that God sent his son. He did do that, of course. We will get to Jesus. But long before Jesus, God had a plan. Long before Jesus, God had his eye on the nations, not just Israel, but the nations. And he put in motion a plan to reach these nations through Abraham and through Israel. So Israel was always called to be blessed in order to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Now, how does that get worked out? How does this blessing to the nations come? This is the next phrase, next few verses in, in Psalm 67. Uh, verse 3, May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. 
For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. So can you hear that kind of cry for the nations here? The kind of heart that the psalmist has, the heart that God has for all nations? I wonder if we have that kind of heart for the nations. It's, it's, it's even more remarkable when you think of like the context this was written where the nations were generally Israel's enemies. Like This is an age of conquest. You generally don't like the nations around you because they're trying to conquer you or you're trying to conquer them. It was dog eat dog in this kind of context. It was nation conquer nation. The last thing you wanted is for the nations to be glad. And yet here's the psalmist saying, may all the nations come to praise God. May the nations be glad. May they come and worship God. May they come and serve God. There's this desire for these nations to come and know God. Um, most of the time, it was just every nation had their own God. And that was it. But here's Israel saying, no, no, our God is the God of nations. He's the God of all nations. Not just us, but all nations. And so because of that, it's not just going to be, our, we've got our gods and the Canaanites have got their gods and the Egyptians have got their gods and the Babylonians have got their gods. No, Yahweh is the one true God of all. And we want to see all people everywhere come to worship him. That's the desire that's right there in the Old Testament. Fulfilled in the New Testament, but it's right there in the Old Testament. So the question is then, how does all this get outworked? Like that desire is there in the Old Testament for the nations to come to know God, but how does that eventually happen? For that, my friends, we need to go all the way to the end of the Bible. So keep your thumb in Psalm 67, turn all the way over to Revelation. The book of Revelation, it's your favorite book in the Bible, I know. And there is a verse here, just one or two verses I want to focus on. In, in chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 9, it says, You are worthy to take the scroll. Who is the you that they're talking about? It's Jesus. Specifically, it's Jesus. To open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every nation, a language, and people, and nation. And you, Jesus, have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. How's God reached the nations? Through Jesus, right? This is how it's happened. That Jesus is the answer to that Old Testament cry for the nations to come to know God. For the nations to serve. But in the Old Testament, that wasn't really fulfilled because it was just Israel that had this special relationship. But now through Jesus, all people everywhere are invited to come to know God. right? Because Jesus on the cross died for all nations, didn't he? Jesus on the cross didn't just die for Israel. Didn't just die for the sins of Israel. He died for the sin of all humanity. Died for every tribe, every tongue, every nation under heaven so that he could draw people to himself of every single culture, every ethnicity, every language, every dialect, every tribe, every culture. That's what Jesus' death has accomplished. So now all nations are being drawn to God. Now that includes Israel, absolutely. That absolutely includes Jewish people who follow Jesus. But the doorway that Jewish people come into the kingdom is the same doorway everybody else comes into the kingdom, right? It's through Christ. It's through faith in Jesus. And there are many, we have Jewish brothers and sisters who are followers of Yeshua Messiah, who are part of the family of God. But it's not enough to be biological children of Abraham. Now you've got to be faith children of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. And then alongside our Jewish brothers and sisters, all those of us in the room who are not Jewish, which is Almost all of us, although we do have some Jewish brothers and sisters in our congregation, and that's fantastic, all the rest of us, we're the ones who have been grafted in. 
We're the Gentiles, and we've been gra- we have this amazing privilege, and we shouldn't take it for granted. We now get grafted into the vine. That's how Paul talks about it in Romans. And we now become part of the family of God. Even though we weren't part of the original chosen people, we now get to be part of that by faith. We come from all these tribes, all these tongues, all these nations, but this is the community that God is forming, a multinational community. All nations welcomed in. So, in a very real way, we are a fulfillment of that this morning, aren't we? I mean, sitting here, so you think about Psalm 67, may all the nations praise you, God. And here we are, sitting here, 21st century, how many nations we got represented here? A lot, all right? It used to be mainly just two, New Zealand, South Africa. We got, <laughs> we got, we got a few now. We've, we've moved beyond just being bicultural. Uh, so we're, we're a multi In fact, how about this? Just for, so for, just for fun, just for a second. So I, what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call out in a second the country of your birth, okay? The country you're born in, okay? Nice, big, loud voice on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, what a melting pot. Yeah, see, that's us, right? This is who we are, a real cross-section. And do you remember uh, one of those services that we did in lockdown where we had a whole lot of people reading the same Bible verse in different languages, languages they knew and spoke their own language? Um, That amazed me, the number of different languages that are spoken within our church community. So what I'm trying to say is we are part of the living fulfillment of this psalm. Isn't that cool? Not the only fulfillment, like God's church is global and historic, but we are part of the international multi-ethnic fulfillment of Psalm 67 sitting here this morning. And that should be encouraging. Like this is seeing the biblical story come alive before our eyes. We are everything this psalmist is hoping for and longing for. May the nations be glad. Here we are. Are you glad? Then we've fulfilled it. You see? (laughs) Here we are. So then the question becomes, now what? Because you think back to that principle. In Scripture, people are always blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Israel was blessed to be a blessing. Why are you and I blessed this morning? To be a blessing. So we have this amazing blessing that rests on us of salvation now, but it doesn't, don't be a hoarder of the blessing. Don't keep it to yourself. The point is now we are blessed to be a blessing. We're only here because someone one day shared the message of Jesus with us. Is that right? If you're a follower of Jesus, it must be because someone somehow, somewhere, a parent, a friend or whatever, told you about Jesus. Several people, many people, however many steps you took. But you are here because someone else was blessed to be a blessing. And so now the gospel comes down to us and we have that same mantle today. We're blessed. It's amazing. But we're not blessed to hoard it. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. I think as we reflect on Waitangi Day, part of this is in our own national history. You think of those that first brought the gospel to Aotearoa, the early missionaries, people like Samuel Marsden, people like Henry Williams. Um, I know that in some circles, those early missionaries are utterly vilified and totally demonized almost uh, as the, the the bad guys of history. And I think that's really unfair. Those early missionaries, they were flawed people. They absolutely had their failures. They were a very mixed bag, and they got many, many things wrong. They were people of their time, and it was a very colonial time. 
But these were gospel people, by and large. Certainly people like Marsden and Williams. These were carriers of the gospel. These were, came out of a movement of, uh, in, in Britain in the, in the early 19th century, which was a very humanitarian movement, a real concern to be a blessing to others. Think people like William Wilberforce. That's the kind of era out of which these early missionaries came. And they came with a desire to bring the gospel to New Zealand uh, and a genuine desire to love and to serve and to bless Maori who were here. And some of those early missionaries, particularly Henry Williams, had a really formative role in the treaty. Part of the reason there is a treaty is because of the influence of the early missionaries and a desire to avoid some of the worst forms of colonialism that were going on. And so as you go through Waitangi Day, just keep in mind that part of this is interwoven with the gospel history of New Zealand, and you have these faithful men and women who sacrificed a massive amount to sow the seeds of the gospel among Māori as a way of fulfilling exactly this mandate, to, to go and share with the nations. And Man, it took a long time for them to see some fruit of that ministry. There were decades for those early missionaries. They saw very, very little, but eventually they did, around the middle of the 19th century. So the biggest revival ever in New Zealand's history was among Māori in the 19th century. The 40s, 50s, 60s, 19th century, massive. And it came as Māori then took the gospel to Māori. And the, and the gospel, the scriptures were translated into Māori, and Māori became carriers of the gospel to their own people. And there was this beautiful awakening of faith among Māori people. And this is again the, fulfill, the fulfilling of this psalm. May the nations praise you, God. And so we've seen some of that in our own history. And all that comes down to us today. And so we look around us today and say, well, how do we fulfill this in our lives? What does this mean now for us? And it is often very small little steps that we take to people around us, to people that we know. It's small little steps to take the initiative, to say, I have been blessed and I've received this amazing gift of salvation. Uh, who do I know that I can start to build a connection with and start to share a little bit of my story, share a little bit of God's story, pray for opportunities, maybe to say something, say a word, that somehow part of God's story might be spoken, something of the gospel, some seed might be sown as God gives us the opportunities, becoming aware of those. Sometimes it happens as people reach people of their own culture with the gospel. And sometimes that is how it happens best. I was listening the other day to uh, Kerry Ann Hokianga, who's a Maori evangelist in New Zealand, just talking about the ongoing work of Maori reaching Maori in New Zealand. And she's working for the CMS, same organization, Christian Missionary Society, that Marsden was under when he came to New Zealand back in 1814. And the CMS is carrying on today, raising up Maori evangelists, reaching Maori. It's fantastic. So sometimes it happens as people from one culture take the initiative to reach others of their own culture because there is a connection and there is understanding and there's shared language and concepts. Sometimes, though, it happens as we be brave and we take a step beyond our own little cultural silo towards others of a different culture, right? Because we can drift into our own little cultural ghettos sometimes. Even in church, right, this can happen, just honestly, right, it can happen. We can be a very multi-ethnic church, but there can be this subtle drift into our own little cultural silos. And you know that happens everywhere, right? It happens at work. It happens on the sports field. It happens on the sidelines of kids' sports games. You see it everywhere. So for us, part of the calling is to be willing, like Jesus did, to cross cultural boundaries and to, and to love and to serve and ultimately, perhaps, to share something of the love of Jesus with people from cultures different to our own. That's good for us as Christians. To be honest, it's just good for us as human beings, 
to be able to see the dignity of the other, the person who doesn't share our culture, the person who is unlike us in some way, and it's easy because that's, that's unfamiliar and that feels foreign and that feels weird, but this is part of our calling of the gospel is to recognize God is forming a people from every tribe, every, na- every tongue, every nation. There's no privileged people anymore. And we need to stop othering people of another culture and take steps, even though it is a bit uncomfortable, to cross some of those lines sometimes. Sometimes that might mean going somewhere. Sometimes it might just mean crossing the street and talking to a neighbor of a different ethnicity. But let's be prepared to do it because we're called to be people who go and we're blessed to be a blessing. It also looks like sometimes going even beyond our nation, right? Sometimes it does. It can mean staying because we are an amazingly multi-ethnic city right here. And sometimes it means going. And I think about the work that we're getting involved in with Tear Fund, uh, which is another expression of fulfilling the same spirit of the psalm, to be blessed in order to be a blessing. So we're stepping into this partnership with Tear Fund. And it's a program in Indonesia called Mums and Bubs. It's working with women in extreme poverty, um, we're particularly focused on the city of Denpasar, uh, and, and these mums that uh, have very, very little, in desperate situations, they have a newborn baby, and Tear Fund works with them in the first year of that baby's life. Um, providing services that would be provided here by midwives and district nurses and Plunkett and, uh, and churches, and just friendship circles, and they step into those kinds of spaces. And they look for those spiritual pathways as well to share the love of God. And so we've stepped into this partnership with them, um, and we've already raised, how much we raised last year, Donovan? Like 15, 16? $15,000 just in one first year that we launched this. That's from you. That's us as a church. So that's incredible. That's, it's an amazing. We would like this year to raise that to 21 because that's the level of funding the entire program in Denpasar. That's our goal. Alongside that, there's four of us going on a leadership trip in March to build relationships uh, with those running the program, hopefully meeting some being served by the program. We're hoping to tri- take a trip of young people in July, some teenagers, maybe some young adults, to experience what's going on over there firsthand. And we are, we're, we're trying to step through all of this as wisely as we can. Uh, we're not doing this with any sense of cultural superiority. We're not doing this in a way that's condescending. We're going because we want to be a blessing, yes. But we also recognize that in the process, we've got things to learn. Uh, from churches over there that are reaching their communities amazingly with the love of Jesus. We want to hear those stories. We want to learn from them. We want to get a heart for what God's doing in that part of the world so that we can bring back a bit of that kind of missionary fire back here that hopefully can fire us up about what God's doing back here and in other parts of the world. So you're going to hear us talk more about this this year. You're going to hear us talk about fundraising for uh, this missions trip in, in July. Uh, And I just want you to understand that as we talk about that, this is not just like something we've kind of pulled out of thin air. This is ultimately fulfillment of Scripture uh, in the sense that we are living out the spirit of Psalm 67, God's desire to reach the nations. And we've got one little piece of that, and we're following that thread as faithfully as we can. So I want you to connect your hearts and minds to what we're going to go on as a journey there and just think back to the psalm as we go forward in that. Let me just uh, finish with the final verse in this psalm, which points us ultimately all the way to the end of the story. Verse 7, May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Ultimately, the fulfillment of the psalm is not now. It still sits out in the future. The fulfillment of that psalm is on the day that Jesus returns, and he comes back, and then he gathers his people to himself. 
And he's going to gather this great multitude that nobody can even count. And the Bible says, again in Revelation, that's going to be a multitude from every tribe, every tongue, every nation under heaven. The great multitude gathered around the throne. And we will worship God for all eternity. That's the final picture of where this is all heading. The nations being glad. The nations, those who love Jesus, worshiping God in the new creation for all eternity. Here's the way that John Piper puts it. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. Now what he means by that is not that the whole goal of the church is to sit around in a worship service singing songs every day and if we do that then we don't need to do missions. No, he's saying think about the story. In the big picture where this is all heading, the final goal is that the nations would come to worship God. And that day isn't here yet. That's why we do mission. Because we are seeking by God's grace to, to, to be part of God bringing about that day. And we're participating in this thing where one day the nations are going to worship God. Mission, <clears throat> missions is a means to that end. It's a means to God gathering the nations to worship himself. And it's good for us to keep that final goal in mind. Because it reminds us where we're heading. And it reminds us that ultimately we have a role to play and we have this calling to be blessed, to be a blessing, but ultimately this is God's work. He is reaching the nations through us and he will one day bring those who are his into that multitude who will worship him forever and ever and ever. That's where the story's heading. I started with the first line of our national anthem. I want to finish with the last few lines of our national anthem including the most obscure line in the New Zealand National Anthem, which is, you put this up, guide her in the nation's van. Now, that, does that conjure up a particular image for anybody, like <laughs> driving around in, in a national road trip around Taranaki, you know, we're all squashed in the nation's van. Uh, it's a weird line, but the word van is, means, it's the word vanguard, vanguard, which means those on the forefront, those who go first, those who go first into battle. That's the idea. And so we are called, this is what our, our own national anthem is calling us, to be the vanguard, to be those who go on the forefront. And, and the forefront of what? Well, that's the next line. Preaching love and truth to man and woman, of course. This was just written in a different era. It's written by an Irishman, by the way. Can you believe that? Woo! So, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Preaching love and truth to mankind, we could say. That's what we are called to be at the forefront of. Now, what a great calling as New Zealanders. And we're going to be at the forefront, not just things like economics, social progress, whatever, at the forefront of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to mankind. You know, to be at the forefront of missions, to be at the vanguard of mission. Yeah. And, and honestly, we have that in our national DNA. New Zealand used to be the highest missionary sending nation per capita in the world in the middle of the 20th century. We were sending out, not that it's all about sending, but we were sending a lot of missionaries out. Uh, now that's tapered off a lot, but what a legacy to recover to be at the vanguard, the forefront of preaching and showing and demonstrating the love of Jesus to the rest of the world. That's our calling. And as we do that, we're mindful that God is working out his glorious plan. It's not about us. We're not going to bring the kingdom about by our own strength. It's not this burden that sits on our shoulders. We do it in freedom. We do it because of grace that's been shown to us and just with the, with the desire to bless the nations. And we know God is working out his plan, right? So, uh, as we close our service, we're going to do two things. First of all, we're going to take communion this morning, and that brings us back 
to the very heart that God has for the nations, that through the death of Jesus, this is possible. The only reason that the gospel can go to the nations, the only reason that the nations can, can come to faith is because Jesus has died for all people everywhere, not just for a few, not just for the privileged, and not just for us here in the room, but for all people. And I want to encourage you as you take communion this morning, just be aware of that bigger picture. Often we take communion and it's very much my little relationship with God and, and that's, that's central, but just lift up your eyes in your heart this morning just to think, you know, this is the body of Jesus was broken for all nations not just ours. Just think of this big plan that is going on of God's to reach all people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Take the emblems this morning in that spirit and, and seek the Lord about what your place might be in that. What, he might be, what step he might be calling you to take. Maybe it's a conversation with someone, a friend. Maybe there's, I don't even want to overlook the fact that maybe even a sense to go, to go to a people group, to go to a place. Many missionaries have had a moment of sitting in a church service like this, and that was the moment when God tapped them on the shoulder and said, I want you to go. And so I don't want to overlook the fact that this may even be that morning, it may even be that moment for some of you where God says, I've got something planned for you that you never saw coming, and alters the trajectory of your life and your calling to go to a people group, go to a place. And I want to encourage you to have an openness of heart to that. And then, after we've taken communion, we are going to sing the national anthem. And again, let me just set this up by saying, we're not going to sing it in any sense of nationalistic fervor. Uh, we're not singing it in the spirit of taking back our country for Jesus, this kind of militant Christianity. We are not, at least I'm not, singing it in that spirit. Uh, I hope that we can sing this without any sense of attaching it to politics, without any sense that the gospel is going to come through political ideology, political parties, politicians, laws, and legislation. That's not how the kingdom of God's going to come. We sing this with a desire for the gospel to be made known in Aotearoa. We sing this with a desire for the Wairua Tapu, the Holy Spirit, to come and fill our land and fill our hearts, for God's kingdom to come here through hearts and minds and people and everyday conversations. God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven and for the love and the good news of Jesus just to flow through us out into a nation, communities, cities and towns that desperately, desperately need the love of Jesus. I hope that's the spirit in which we can sing and pray these words. Let me pray, and then we're going to take communion. So God, we thank you this morning that you are the God of nations. And we thank you that in your mind, all the way back when you called Abraham that night, you had in mind a desire to reach the nations, the peoples of the earth. Thank you, God, that you are fulfilling that in our day through Jesus, through your church, through your spirit. And we want to pray, God, now that you would you'd ground this in our lives and make this practical by placing the names and faces of people in our minds and just bring them to our consciousness right now of people that you may be wanting us to speak to, to reach, and just to begin praying for. God, even now, just lay on our hearts someone or a people group or a nation that you're wanting us to pray for. Just to start there, God. You've just got a sense, Jesus, that you're just wanting us to, to pray. Pray for a nation. Just pray as we're led for a particular people in a particular nation. So, God, we just trust you with that, and I pray now that we would take that to heart and pray for a particular people this morning. God, help us to be faithful in this and help us also to know that this is your harvest, God, and you are the Lord of the harvest. But you say to us, lift up your eyes. 
The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. May we be those faithful workers. We thank you that we are blessed. Help us to be a blessing to others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.